0: Constantly. Message and data.
1: The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
0: My eyes are dry, my faith is old, my heart is hard, my prayer. to be alive. My faith is old, my heart is high.
2: Jesus breaks the power of sin. Jesus breaks the power of sin. What does that mean? Well, we've all experienced the power of sin. It starts out, you smoke that first cigarette, and you think, oh, that wasn't bad. And then you go through a whole pack. And by the time you finish the pack, you can't stop. And you feel like you want to stop, but there's this power that's so strong that's pushing you to do it. And you try to resist. And sometimes you're successful. And then eventually you just give in and you say, it's hopeless. I can't quit this. Now, that's not true only with cigarettes, it's true with all sin, where there's that overwhelming force that comes over us that makes us yield to the temptation. There is still a choice that we make, no one has forced us to sin, but the power is so strong that it's virtually impossible to resist it. So we can cut off certain sins, but then the sin just crops up in another area. We give up gluttony, but then we instead turn to watching too much television. Things like that. So when we say Jesus breaks the power of sin, that horrible, overwhelming force is broken and gone when we come to Jesus. And so instead of always struggling, instead of always trying and failing, it becomes natural and easy, we might even say second nature, to obey God. It's not hard anymore. The power of sin is gone. And we praise Jesus that we've been brought into freedom. You're listening to Pilgrim's Progress. where Pastor Ray Greenley and Alexandra Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. Welcome, Pastor Ray. Thank you. We've been sharing this week that God's kingdom is here. And something that we ran out of time to talk about yesterday is the fact that God's kingdom is here means that there's no more need for us to roll over for the devil. There's no more need for us to say, it's hopeless. The sin will never stop. I'll just have to tolerate it. We don't have to tolerate or put up with sin in ourselves. We don't have to put up with it in our children, in our workplace, in our city, in our husbands or wives, in our schools, in our neighborhood or in our government. Now, when we talk about not tolerating sin, there's two basic ways that we approach this. The first is through prayer. We go to Jesus and we say, Lord, your kingdom is coming on this earth as it is in heaven. And that means this bondage over Washington, D.C. has to go. Satan cannot keep it. And then the other way is what the old timers would call the means. Now, the means look different from situation to situation, but for example if you find that your children are habitually lying to you or if you find that your children are stealing from each other i'm talking about young children the means would be to discipline your children and not just to say well they're sinners and they're just gonna lie and there's nothing i can do about it no jesus came to break the power of sin and so we go to prayer for those children And we use the means for those children, and we plead the promises of God for their conversion. And as I said, this is true for any of these areas. There's no reason why we just have to write off our unconverted spouse as a lost cause. We pray for them in private, and then we use the means, such as reading the Bible with them, praying together with them. And then lovingly explaining that you can't join them in their sinful behaviors or their worldly behaviors because it displeases Jesus.
1: What you're talking about, employing the means, it means serious fasting and prayer. It means, in the case of children... They have to be converted. Now that may come as a surprise to some of you. You may think your children are converted because they're in your family. That's not true. Children must be brought to Jesus. They must be converted, changed, transformed. They're not born that way. You know, I am so excited i am so delighted that the power of god is bringing the fullness of the kingdom and pushing out the devil he has caused geysers of filth and wickedness to fill our culture it's time to take it back through the prayer closet through fasting through opening our mouths and speaking boldly against it. When you're with friends or at work, and suddenly they begin to talk about gay pride, you, on the other hand, are going to talk about gay shame. You're not going to be ornery or hard. You're going to be loving and kind. But you're not going to buy into, quote, gay pride. You're going to stand for righteousness wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Integrity at work, honesty, not stealing from the office supplies, not gossiping.
2: Not agreeing if your boss asks you to do something immoral like changing the results of a study.
1: Not lying standing for truth. Now, we live in a day when I have not seen or experienced the norm being the kingdom of God is present. I've not experienced, except for a few very select times in my life, the power of the Holy Spirit moving to bring deep conviction and conversion and turning the lost quickly in mass to Jesus. It happened when I was in high school. It happened in the Jesus movement, but those were very short lived. We wanna share with you today a piece that was written by Amy Simple McPherson. She was the founder of the Foursquare Gospel Church. It's entitled, Is Jesus Christ the Great I Am? Or is he the great I was? Listen, I think you'll enjoy, but not enjoy, what I'm going to share with you. She writes, Shut in my closet of prayer today with my Bible and the Spirit, my guide, I muse a while, or its pages, then pray for the world with its throngs, who in teeming millions walk through this life in need of the great I am. As I ponder and pray in the stillness, I dream as a dreamer of dreams. A steepled church stands before me with open doors. Within I see the preacher and hear his voice in earnest call, but tis throng that flows through the street outside that holds my anxious gaze. Pit-a-pat, pit say the hundreds and thousands of feet surging by the church doors of our land. Pat-pat, hurrying multitudes on business and pleasure bent. From out the church door floats the voice of the pastor and the evangelist in an effort to halt the down rushing throng in their headlong race toward destruction and attract their attention to Christ. Stop! Stop! Giddy throng, surging by like a river. Take your eyes from the bright lights of the gilded way. They cry, Leave the paths of death, enter our open door, and listen while we tell you the, th- the sweet, though ancient story. Of the great I was eloquently instructively we will tell you how the wonderful power of Christ used to have the miracles he used to heal the sick tis a geographic and blessed history of those things which Jesus did almost 1900 years before you were even born They happened far, far away from across the sea, which you've never sailed, in a country which you've never seen, among people you've never known. Wonderful, marvelous was the power that used to flow from the great I was. He used to open blind eyes and unstop the deaf ears and make the lame to walk. He used to show forth mighty works and even manifested them through his followers that the attention of the multitudes was arrested and gripped in such an irresistible way that thousands were brought storming to his door of mercy to receive blessing and healing at his hand
2: of course these mighty works christ used to do are done no longer for some reason perhaps jesus is too far away or he's too busy making intercession at the father's throne to be bothered with such little things as the physical infirmities of his children, or else his ear may have grown heavy, his arm may be short. Or maybe these mighty works were only done to convince the doubters in that day, and since we have no doubters in this civilized day and age, the miraculous has passed away and is no longer necessary. At any rate, The fact remains that the signs and wonders which he once declared should accompany his preached word mark 16 are seen no longer the power he once displayed till the glory of his majesty and love in coming to destroy the works of the devil flashed and played through the gloom like the lightnings around mount sinai that power is now dark cold dead And as for the visible manifestation of his power, we are left desolate, as though the light which once shone in the darkness had gone out. Come, come to this attractive feast, unheeding sinners. Turn now from your Sunday golf, fishing, theatres, and novels. Come enter our doors, that I may tell you the story of the great I was. And the power that used to be. But, pit-a-pat, pit-a-pat, on go the thousands of feet, onto the movie, onto the dance, onto the office, the club, and the bank. Pit-a-pat, pat, pat. Why don't you stop your wayward feet? Don't you know that you're headed for sorrow? Why is it that the theater is overflowing while our pews are empty and bare? Pat, pat, pit-a-pat. Oh, stop a moment, the maddening, ceaseless pattering of thousands of feet, and tell me why you take such interest in the world all around you, and so show such lethargy, carelessness, and lack of active interest in my story of the great I was, and the power he used to have, and the deeds he used to do. Why is it that people grow enthusiastic over the ball game, the boxing ring, the movies, the dance, while we see no revival of interest or turning to the Christ? On and on they go, paying no heed, neither turning their eyes from the glittering baubles beyond.
1: Why is it, dear Spirit of God, I ask? They do not listen to that dear brother's call. They do not seem interested in the power Christ used to have in a steady stream. They pass by the church (coughs) and on into the world of grim realities and the problems which they must face. Pat, pat, pitty pat. There are young feet, old feet, light feet, heavy feet, glad feet, and and sad feet. Tired and discouraged feet. Tripping feet. Lonely, groping feet. Straight feet. Sick, crippled, eager. Searching. Disillusioned, disappointed. And as they pass, a message is somehow tangled up in their pattering which rises from the cobblestones like a mighty throbbing from the heart of the world not so much that christ used to do for the world in answer to prayer in bygone days they seem to say but where is his power now and what can he do today ah yes sigh the crippled feet from the pavement we are not so vitally interested in the sick he used to heal, the limbs he used to make straight and strong. Of course, we're glad to know that somewhere, sometime in the distant past, Christ healed the sick in the far-off lands. But, but we're living in the great today. And ah, oh, me, we are very worn and weary. We yearn for healing Hope and strength today. We stand in need of mercy now. But you say these mighty provisions for the healing of the body as well as for the soul, which Christ promised in Psalm 103 and Isaiah 53 and Matthew 8 and Mark 16, James 5, were not all lasting, but were merely for the Jews who lived in other days. And in reality, your teaching says Christ's healing of the sick when he walked this earth was not so much for the demonstration of the tender Savior's love and sake of reliving, relieving the sufferer's pain and a pity for the sick themselves as to build up his own cause and make the world believe. And he accomplished this. He withdrew the lifeline of hope and coiled it up again. So as the church cannot supply my need, I must pass on in further search of help from another source.
2: And we say the tired, discouraged feet are also glad that in a far off land, Christ gave the weary rest. And they who had well nigh lost the faith and trust in their fellow man, found truth and grace in him. But you say he is far off now that we live in a different dispensation That his promises were largely for the jewish people anyway then there's not much for us here so we walk past your door seeking elsewhere a haven of rest and hope and we the glad young joyous feet send up a rippling echo from the pavement we are in search of something that can give us joy and happiness today You say God used to make his little ones so happy that they danced and shouted for joy. We want joy, not the joy that used to be, but the joy of heart today. And since it's taken away from the church, we'll seek it in the world. And we say the heavy, groping, lonely feet are bereaved and seek comfort and rest For us, the shades of night are falling. The knowledge that Christ once dried tears and bare the heavy load is blessed indeed. But, oh, we of today need comfort now. Preaching the great I was can never satisfy our longings. We need the great I am. The great I am. Why, yes.
1: That's exactly what we need. That's what this old world needs. A Christ who lives and loves and answers prayer today. A Christ who changes not, but is the same today as he was yesterday and will be forevermore. A Christ whose power knows neither lack nor cessation. A Lord whose name is I am forever, even unto all generations. When the Lord bade Moses go... Call the children of Israel from the flesh pots and bondage, sin and sickness of Egypt. Moses inquired him, inquired of him, When they shall ask who sent me and what is his name, what shall I say unto them? And he said, Thus shall you say unto the children of Israel, I am, hath sent me unto you. This is my name forever. This is my memorial unto all generations and all. What a wonderful name. What a wonderful promise. Glory, glory to God.
2: Moses did not need to go about apologetically and say, the great I was has sent me to you. His name is I was because he used to do great things long ago. But he expended the last of his power in creating the heavens and the earth and everything that's in them. And he's quite far off now, and the necessity for this miraculous manifestation of his power is no longer needed, seeing that everything has already been created. He does not do mighty works today, but please come, follow, and obey the message of the Great I Was. Why, I doubt whether they would have followed such a call. The message which Moses bore rang clear and firm. I am has sent me. He walked with assurance. The solid rock was under his feet. His God was a living God, a miracle-working God. Moses knew his business was to preach and deliver the message God had given him. The great I am had contracted to back up that message with signs following I am, I am, I am, rang in the ears of Moses every step he took.
1: Ah, it gives a servant of God some heart to know that I am has sent him. No more apologizing, no more hanging the head and resorting to earthly means. No more trembling and fear of failure. No dread, now that the crowds will not follow. Head erect, footsteps firm and full assurance, earthly temple clad with a robe of majesty and tenderness of the Father. Hands pointing unhesitatingly to the way, voice ringing clear with authority. I am, I am hath sent me unto you i am lives today he will tabernacle in our midst i am will deliver us from our enemies he will guide us by his hand i am will feed us with bread from the heavens and give us water from the rock i am will deliver us from sickness from the diseases of the egyptians saying if you will walk in my ways and keep my statutes None of the diseases which have been put upon the Egyptians shall come nigh you. I am will lead us into the promised land.
2: O the blessed assurance, the authority, the majestic glory of the name I am. No wonder the children of Israel left the flesh pots and the bands that bound them. No wonder the weary eyes of the toiler looked up with new interest and hope no wonder that hands which had hung down were lifted and the feeble knees made strong when moses could promise them that when the lord said unto those which were weak be strong and of good courage for the lord will do great things he meant just what he said moses did not have to say the lord used to do great things but could triumphantly declare, The Lord will do great things, for he is the great I am. And though heaven is his home, the earth is his footstool, where he answers the prayers of his people. During Moses' ministry, the sick were healed, the lepers cleansed, and the plague stayed.
1: Ah, Moses, how we envy you the Great Commission, go call my people out of bondage into liberty, out of darkness into light, out of sin into holiness. But tell us, just when did the day of the supernatural miraculous manifestation of the power of God end? Where did I am become I was? Why, little children, I am hath Never changed. His power is just the same in this thy day as it was in the day of yore. Did he not say, This is my name forever unto all generations? They who have faith shall see the lightnings of his glory flash in power of answered prayer today, as in the days of old. Elijah and Elisha lived in a day when doubters said the miraculous had passed away and I am had become I was. But through faith and prayer, they proved his name to be I am under their generation. After the ascension of the only begotten of the Father, Jesus Christ, the disciples proved that he was, he who was dead is alive forevermore. The great I am who saves and heals and baptizes with the spirit of power.
2: On and on through the centuries, though surrounded by unbelief and skepticism, there have always been the Elijahs and the Peters, who have proved that I Am is his name, even unto their generation. John Wesley believed that Christ was not only to save, but to heal the sick in his day. In his biography, John Wesley tells of the lame made to walk, Cancers which melted away, and even a lame horse made whole through answered prayer, thus proving, I am to be the Lord's name, even unto his generation. Then surely he is not changed at this late hour, surely he is the same today. Elijah, Peter, John Wesley, and an army of others who had heard and obeyed the message thus shall you say i am hath sent me these were ridiculed and persecuted by those they loved the best even so today though it means being despised and misunderstood get alone in the wilderness of quiet and stillness before god seek his face until your soul is kindled with the flame of love from the burning bush get your authority from god ask of him when they shall ask who sent me and what is his name what shall i say to them hear his reply thus shalt thou say to them i am has sent me and let it ring in your soul forever louder clearer more wonderful in its revelation of the ever living christ with each new step and turn of the way victory is assured and the only solution to the problem of drawing the crowds is to lift up not the dead but the living christ not the great i was but the great i am
1: thank you thank you for that message O oh, dear lord the clouds of uncertainty are dispelled. The shades of night roll back. We see we see thee in a new and glorious light, even as the sun of Righteousness with healing in thy wings. I am is thy name today and shall be evermore. I am the Lord, I change not. I am the Lord that hath chosen thee and called thee by name. I am come down to deliver thee and to bring thee up into a good land and a large land, unto a land flowing with milk and honey. I am not I was, but I am the Lord that healeth thee. I am he who was dead, but am alive forevermore. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. How the I am's of the Lord are rolling in like the billows of a full overflowing sea whose tide rises higher toward the downbending heavens. Glory, glory. My own poor heart is running over like a tiny cup that would seek to hold the ocean. God is speaking in my ears. I am that I am. The earth responds and resounds with his voice. The eternal hills and mountains swell with the song, I am shall be my name forever. And away up yonder the glorious stars of heaven echo back again, even unto all generations, this shall be thy name. Angels and cherubim bend low over heaven and sing a new song of inspiration, go forth my child. And thy cry shall be, I am, I am hath sent me unto thee.
2: Again, I see the steepled church. But now the scene is changed. Pat, pat, pit-a-pat. The street that lies before it is still filled with people, but they are no longer passing by. The crowds are passing in. They fill the pews and the galleries. They stand in the aisles and climb to the window sills. They pack the doorways and stand on the stairs. The streets and the lanes are filled. The gospel nets are full to bursting, and there is no more room to contain the crowds that throng the place. And out over the heads of the people, I hear the message ring. Awake, thou that sleepest! arise from the dead the Lord still lives today his power has never abated his word has never changed the things he did in Bible days he still lives to do today not a burden is there he cannot bear nor a fetter he cannot break here bring your sins he'll wash them away here Bring your sicknesses. He'll heal you today. We serve not a dead, but a living God. Not I was, but the great I am. Come young, come old, come sad, come glad. Come weary and faltering of step. Come sick, come well. Come one, come all unto the great I am. There is food for the hungry. There is strength. For the faint, there was hope for the hopeless and sight for the blind.
1: Pit-a-pat, pit-a-pat, faster and faster they come. The church is overflowing. They are filling the streets. Their faces are shining. Their eyes have the light of hope. They're listening to the preaching of the great I am. They're reaching out their hands for forgiveness, for the healing of their crippled and sick bodies. They're thirsting for the joy of salvation, hungering for the bread of life. They're seeking the power of the Holy Spirit and something practical which can meet the immediate and pressing need of the great today and fit them for tomorrow. And they have found the source of such supply in the church, the house of God, from under whose altar and over those thresholds run the everlasting streams of life. They seek no further. Though the briars of the world, they have found the great I am, and they sing wisdom and righteousness and power and holiness forevermore. My redemption full and sure. Christ is all I need. Burdens are lifted. Tearful, weeping eyes are dried, the sick are healed, the crooked made straight. Sin-guilty hearts are cleansed and made holy. Empty water water pots are filled with wine, and the cold, worldly church has risen from the dust in garments glistening white with oil in their lamps and sheaves in their arms and they worship the great I am. Wow. That is a powerful piece. And there's a sadness in my heart. And the sadness in my heart is that it's just her writing. It's not true today. Everyone is passing by the church because the church worships the great I was. Why? Because they've not ever heard the gospel. They've never heard that the kingdom of God is now and that they can enter that kingdom of God. Instead, they've been taught In most worldly churches, that you are to repent of your sin, you're to accept Jesus, and then you're good to go and you continue walking in your sin. But now Jesus is supposedly covering your sin over in some kind of shell game. No. The reason the church is cold and dead today, and we've had to bring in every kind of entertainment to bring in the world's music, put maybe sentimental Christian words to the music. It's still the world's music. It's still from the devil. The hip-hop, the rock and roll. Because we worship today in America the, the Jesus who was I was, not I am. Anything you want to share?
2: Jesus is the great I am. And we praise God that he does have this unchanging and undying love and compassion. And he wants to see us all freed from sin. He wants to see us freed from sickness, from oppression. It doesn't please God when you go home to your family and... As soon as you walk in the door, you and your spouse are screaming at each other. Jesus came to bring peace. Peace among those who would believe. He came to set us free from every conceivable sin. There is no sin that Jesus cannot break. So if you've been taught today that these miracles are just from the past... There's no reason to expect them. And so you turn to the doctors and you have your body cut open and you end up in pain, kind of crippled, not really healed, but maybe a little bit more able to to live a somewhat normal life. That's not what God wants for you. God did not, as some people say, create doctors because he decided he was gonna stop healing us. That's horrible. It doesn't please God for you to subject yourself to a lot of the cruelty that goes on today in the medical field. But God really loves us. He loves us the way that we love our children, but even to a greater degree than we love our children. And who of us who has a child Wouldn't do anything we can to help that child be free of sickness, to stop their pain, to stop their suffering. Even rebellious, horrible children, they start crying and your heart just rises up in compassion. You don't want to see them hurting. You don't want to see them crying. Well, God doesn't want to see us hurting and crying either. So I just praise God and we are going to continue praying. We had such a wonderful time of prayer last night. We know that Jesus is coming and that he is going to establish his kingdom on the earth as it is in heaven. And we are asking for these signs and these miracles and these wonders to be normal in our ministry.
1: We are praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You see repentance turning away from sin that's the entrance into the kingdom of heaven that's what qualifies us and then we pray for the power of the holy spirit for the baptism of the holy spirit that is to be the normal part of every person's life who is a follower of jesus christ He never intended that you should not have the fullness of the Holy Spirit in your life. He didn't want to leave you as an orphan. He loves you with compassionate love. But somewhere, someone has to pay the price and meet the conditions of absolute abandoning of ourselves unto Jesus and turning from all known sin and turning from everything of this world and seeking the face of Jesus. And that's what we're doing at the National Prayer Chapel. We have a meeting on Sunday. It's a prayer meeting where we seek the face of Jesus and then Tuesday evening, a prayer meeting And Alexandra and myself, we are constantly in prayer, fasting in prayer, waiting on Jesus. And you're right, Tuesday night was a powerful time of prayer. And we received confirmation in our spirits that our prayers were heard, and that God does have a plan, and he's working that plan out right now. But we want you to also seek the kingdom of God. I want to just read you a couple of scriptures. Matthew 4.23 Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people.
2: Yes, I'm not sure where it is, but there's a wonderful scripture that says it was Jesus speaking. He said, after John the Baptist, he said, now the kingdom of God is here and every man presseth into it. We get the idea. This was not a small movement. There were crowds. There were entire cities coming out to press into the kingdom of God.
1: Matthew 9.35 And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Then I want to go to the book of Luke. They tried to detain Jesus. They said, there are all kinds of people here who want to see you. He said to them in Luke 4:43, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for therefore am I sent. Luke 8, 1, and it came to pass afterward, he went throughout every city and village, preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God has now come among us. It is here. And you are welcome. To begin to cry out. And to seek the face of Jesus. Luke 16.16 16 was the passage you were referring to. Yes. The law and the prophets were under John. But since that time the kingdom of God is preached. And every man presseth into it. Now. In the book of John, chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, that is Nicodemus, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, what I want you to hear is that Jesus is saying that you must be converted before you can enter the kingdom of God. There has to be a total change in your life. Where you have utterly given yourself over to Jesus Christ, you have left behind all known sin and all rebellion. You have surrendered to him your finances, your time, your energy.
2: You have set your heart to love God, and so it's a delight to you to give him these things.
1: John 3, 5 Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So John the Baptist came to preach repentance and turning from sin and to be forgiven. That was the preparation work necessary to then hear the gospel that the kingdom of God has come. The I was Jesus belongs to the people who are unwilling to totally surrender their lives to the living God of heaven. And this is the great issue. I want to be a cultural Christian. I want to say I'm a Christian. But in my heart of hearts, I know I'm still in charge of my life. Jesus has not been given that power over me. Until you give Jesus total power over your life, over your time, your energy, your money. Until you are utterly devoted to give to Jesus everything, you cannot enter the kingdom of God.
2: And the reality is that Jesus does own you. He does own your life. He does own your time and your money. And if you try to claim it for yourself, you're just a thief and stealing something doesn't make it yours. It still belongs to God.
1: 1 Corinthians 6, 9, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Who are the unrighteous? The people who still walk in rebellion against Jesus. Be not deceived, neither fornicators nor idolaters. An idolater is a man or woman, who places money ahead of Jesus or places anything ahead of Jesus. Family. Children. Car. Career. Whatever it is. Then he says, nor adulterers, nor the effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, that is homosexuality, nor thieves, nor covetousness, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians 15.50 Now, brethren, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Galatians 5.21 Envying, murders, drunkenness, reveling, and such like, of that which I Tell you before, as I've told you in the past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, we need Jesus to come and deliver the church from its idolatry, from its false doctrine, from its love of the worldly life, as one man said to me, Pastor, what's wrong with just wanting to live a normal American life? Everything, I said. Everything. Because it means you're still in charge of yourself. It means you're still in rebellion against the Most High God.
2: It is a denial that the kingdom of God is here.
1: First Corinthians, or Colossians rather, 113, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. See, what we want to say to you today is we've spent, I've spent way too much time in my life as a pastor serving the Jesus who was I was. I won't do that anymore I serve the God who is I am and I expect to see signs and wonders following the proclamation of this gospel and I am waiting with my wife and with a few others for the coming of the power of the Holy Spirit for revival because revival is the normal life of the Christian church. The only reason revival stops is because men and women grow tired of the presence of Jesus and grow tired of not owning themselves. And so the world begins to creep back in and the Holy Spirit is grieved and he leaves We want the power of God to be manifest for you. We want the power of the Holy Spirit for the healing of sickness and disease. But even more so, we want the power of the Holy Spirit to break the chains of bondage that have been created by your disobedience. We urge you, to take time to go before Jesus and ask him to deal with any rebellion that is in your heart.
2: And to renounce that rebellion and count it broken by the blood of Jesus and know that you are free.
1: That you walk free in Jesus Christ by his blood. Now, we're out of time for today's broadcast. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley.
2: and I'm Alexandra Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel.
1: If you'd like to communicate with us, if you'd like to donate to help cover the cost of this broadcast, write to us at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195.
2: You can also visit our webpage, National Prayer Chapel. That's NationalPrayerChapel.com You can listen to this message again as well as past messages you can give online and we ask that you also follow us on Facebook, Twitter and YouTube
1: We are serious We want the I am Jesus not the I was Jesus Please pray Seek his face God bless you. We'll talk to you soon.
0: Before the presence of his glory, you great joy.